Welcome to Amplify. We're the show that will help you take your message, whatever it may be, and get it out through social media, networking, and other marketing channels. Maybe even some that you've never thought of. Whether you're an organization, small or large business, or you just have the next positive message that's sure to go viral, you'll want to stay tuned this hour. Now, here's your host, Ken Rashawn. Well, hello, hello. This is Ken Rashawn in Nashville, Tennessee, with the high hopes of adding a huge celebrity load of country artists to include possibly Tim McGraw and Faith Hill. So I flew all the way out here for his benefit dinner tonight, and I am praying and putting all kinds of good juju in the universe, and hopefully I will have a, a, a much bigger and better Keep Smiling book representing the country artists of America that uh, really hold the family values and the Keep Smiling values that uh, I hold so dear. And we have a really cool show because about a year ago, I met this amazing woman, Rashawn Renee, and I said, is that your real name or do you just change your first name because my last name is Roshan and she did not answer with it being that case. So her name is actually Roshan Renee and I was thinking about changing my name to Renee Roshan and just having a kind of a flipperoo, get rid of Ken in the name. But uh, if it wasn't for Andrea Adams Miller, I have to give my producer a, uh, a big acknowledgement. I wouldn't know Roshan Renee. Because she's the one who helps the Keith Smiling movement, her clients, me being one of them, get to events that have extraordinary women uh, that focus on a topic that is related to leadership, empowerment, abundance, um, relationship, communication, etc. So when I met Rashawn Renee, and I don't want to go too deep because I want to make sure Andrea is able to say hello and give a bio, but she handed me a book, and unlike so many authors fucking still held that grip <laughs> so i didn't get that book out of her hand and she looked me in the eye and she says are you going to read this book and when she asked that i had to say yes to get it out of her hands and then i had to keep my promise to myself so <laughs> i uh, read the book over the next uh, two flights which were that uh, the next day and enjoyed it immensely i can't believe a year has passed practically since uh, i met her and i was drawn on my memory to remember the uh specifics of the book, but I can tell you this, this is a book that I am happy to reread, and I'm also excited about not only bringing her on the show, but having her share her journey of how she causes smiles in the world. So, Andrea, would you please bring her on the show with a wonderful bio? Of course. Good morning, everyone. Rashawn Renee is the founder of Real Truth International. She's an international speaker, a philanthropist, and an author. She is committed to empowering girls and women by aiding them in releasing the mental and emotional obstacles that keep their lives unfulfilled, habituated, marginalized, and without inner peace. You know, her commitment extends beyond sharing knowledge. A portion of the proceeds of every book sold goes to a fund that supports women in various ways with the objective of making their lives better. Rashawn Renee travels all around the globe speaking and lives in Southern California. And the title of her book is called 44 Hours and 21 Minutes, A Women's Truth and Power. Thank you so much, Rashawn Renee, for joining us today. I love what you're doing for women, given that I have stood in my life in situations where I was in abuse or marginalized or made small. So thank you so much. I enjoyed the book. Uh, thank you, Andrea. And thank you, Ken. 
And I remember, Andrea, in our first conversation, you shared with me some of your journey. And um, so thank you for that acknowledgement. I appreciate it. You know, one of my dreams, Rashawn Renee, is that I'm on stage with you and we are introduced as Rashawn Rashawn. And we just take the stage. (laughs) 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 So thank you so much for writing this book. You're welcome. You're welcome. What what were you going to say? I didn't give you a chance to freak out. I was going to say, Ken, in the year that I've been acquainted with you, one thing that is abundantly clear to me is that you bring your visions to fruition. So, okay, we'll be on stage. Rashawn, Rashawn. It'll happen. (laughs) That's awesome. So, uh, this book is your first book, right? Yes. And to make such a powerful book, um, it's obviously changed your life, and I want to go into that first, but then I want to go backwards and kind of talk about what we usually talk about in the show, which is the journey that led you to the book. So if we can talk about just uh, how this book came about, why it was so important, how it's changed your life, first and foremost. Um, Well, I can talk about how it's changed my life post-writing it or I think that would be the most beneficial to the reader, how it's changed my life post-writing it, and I'll share some of my experiences um, that I detail in the book. So post-writing the book, what's become abundantly clear is that as a culture of women, our systemic, familial, and societal conditioning keeps us quiet and marginalized and silent. And how I mean that is, although we as women have made tremendous strides overall in our culture, that pervasive and dominant mindset of being less than inferior and held back still permeates our culture. And so I recognize that as long as the number one killer of women in the world is domestic violence and that we are still paid less than men and that we don't have a right to our own bodies, then there's a societal problem. And that is communicated in the way that we are identified in the world. So post-writing the book, and Andrea contributes to what I'm about to say. More and more women come into not only my space, my personal space of awareness, and share their stories of having to move from violent relationships, both physically violent, mentally and emotionally violent, but also how when they make that leap, that it's so often for it's so often challenging for them to really find their voice and to find the support that's needed to help continue to uplift them. So although they may be able to leave a circumstance as I did of a violent relationship, to talk about that, to communicate that to other women and men. 
always carried a certain amount of shame and regret as, as if I had done something wrong. So the beauty of 44 hours and 21 minutes of woman's truth and power is it conveys not only my story in detail, but it conveys how we as women and men have gotten to the place in our mindset that we allow what's happening in our society currently to be okay. And how men are conditioned to think in the ways that they do. So it's a love story of liberation for both women and men to see themselves more clearly. Well, there's a quote in the book that I would like to, there's a quote in the book I'd like to just reference, and that is, it is a beautiful dynamic as a woman steps in her power, it enhances her man to do the same. And I recall when I uh, was handed the book, and then we talked about the book after I read it, that you said there's a lot of men that have read this book and did as I did, thanked you, because it creates an awareness, but it also creates a partnership and a respect and an understanding that allows a, a relationship to evolve and to <clears throat> be powerful. So that I think this book is as important for men to read as it is women to read. Actually, when I wrote the book, I wrote the book for women. And while writing the book, it occurred to me, and let me rephrase, it didn't occur to me. It was through my heart space that I start feeling the energy of men as I was writing the book. And now that the book has been published, I am happily in awe of the readership of men that are communicating what the book is doing for them. So for men, as you just said, Ken, it really opens them up to understanding why they think the way they think. And it also gives them insight to the way that women are raised. And when a couple is reading it together, um, and what comes to mind is a lovely couple that are friends. And um, first she read the book and her husband said, if she says to me one more time, I'm excavating, I'm going to throw the book out the window. And I said, well, why don't you read the book and see what she's talking about? So then he read the book and it was real reversal. She said, if he says to me one more time, he's excavating. But as a result of that, the intimacy of their relationship has deepened tremendously. And I get a lot of feedback from them sharing that the way, the way that they are raising their family has changed, the way that they communicate has changed, and as I just said, they have become more intimate with one another. Yeah, and I think there's a reference in some of your other interviews as well as uh, the book that if a man has been brought up by a father who did not instill that the woman is the gift and the lady and to be respected and a partner, then they really are at a loss for how they can even create this. So the book really sheds that light 
And I'm bringing up my son, just the simple thing of him being courteous of uh, putting the toilet seat down in the bathroom when you have a woman in the house or in an office space is actually respectful and it's showing that you you are a gentleman and he helps with uh, the dishes or at least the silverware at this point he's he's sick so he's got to step up to the plates when he can reach up to that cupboard but um, <laughs> I want him, I want him to understand that you support the woman you you are always cognizant of the fact that they are the ones who are helping build you to be the strength that you are. I agree with that. I think that it's a beautiful, I think, partnership between people is the secret sauce. And I think that when two people come together and really choose to honor each other, that choosing can only happen when the individuals know what self-honor means. Mm -hmm. And so when you're bringing up your son and you're teaching him the magnificence of a woman and you're teaching him how to be equitable in the things that he does in the household, that communicates a tremendous amount. That's a great foundation. And then he moves into the world and he sees how many places in the world in our society treat women and how men are regarded. So we still live in a society, Ken, where most men are taught not to express their emotion. And I say that every man equal to every woman has the right and the necessity to express all of our emotions because we have them for a reason. Equally, we live in a society where in the United States, one in three women have experienced so-called domestic violence. Well, how is that possible? if we live in a culture where women are respected? And how is it that there's an epidemic of women being sold in the United States? So my intention for this book, as you and Andrea know, is to reach 111 million people so that we have a paradigm shift and consciousness. And what will happen is then we will all have the communication to understand that the conditioning of us not being valued can no longer be a part of our, our societal structure. We have to know our value. We have to make self-honoring choices. And we absolutely, absolutely have to learn how to do that because we, right now, it's void in our overarching societal blueprint. Well, Rashawn Renee, I have to say that um, 
of all the people I've met in my, I guess it's been about an eight or nine year journey, but six year journey of the Keep Smiling movement, you are one of the hundred that, and we're talking out of, you know, tens of thousands, if not possibly a hundred thousand people that are leaders that I chose to share your story because of the impact you bring as a leader. And I want to share with you of the hundred, um, most of the authors are women, um, considerably over 50%. And it is surprising how many of them had to overcome domestic violence um, situations or relationships. And three of them are actually doing a Keep Smiling book to share um, their, their, how they thrived and how they got their life back and how they're powerful. And I guess that leads me to two questions. One question is, at what point or what signal does a woman know it's time to run before the relationship ends or is just beginning and then is there a corrective this is a I, I would rather put these together is there a way to correct it when you're already in the relationship and it is a marriage mm. wow big question <laughs> yes very big I can speak <laughs> um, corrective behavior so I'm going to share my story in part and then I will give additional information. Great. So there is an inner guidance that we all have. And Andrea, you're there, so I'm sure that you will say that your inner guidance was telling you to change things long before you change them, correct? Or maybe she's not with us That is correct. Yeah, I'm still here. I just put myself on mute while I'm talking. So yes, that is correct. Yeah. And so I think that every woman, well, we all have the inner guidance. And what happens is the inner guidance says go. Then the inner guidance says run. Then the inner guidance says run fast. Then the inner guidance says get out of here now. And yet, because we are raised as nurturers, because we don't want to think of ourselves as failures, because when we put our loving into a person, we want to believe that our loving will help them change them, we often stay much longer than than we really should have. But when I say the word should, I say that cautionarily because I am certain that I should have left, again, saying that in quotation, should have left earlier. However, had I left earlier, I may not have gotten to become the woman I am now. So maybe for me, and because what I teach is that every experience in our life is part of our life curriculum, and we use it for our benefit, So I can't say the should, you know, in definite terms, but I can say that there's an inner guidance that's always communicating to us when we should go. And in my story, on my first date, everything said, don't have a second date with him. Everything in me, however, the communication that 
he had with me painted the picture of the life that I really wanted to create with someone. And I was so longing to have that picture of relationship. So I told him what I wanted. He said it was what he wanted. He um, continued to tell me how we would make this the best couple. And yet, as I'm sitting across the table from him, everywhere, everything is saying, do not have a second date. And I did. And not only did I have a second date, I then moved across the country for the first time in my life to live with a man, uh, not being married to him, to have property together and live as if we were married and to plan marrying him. And every step of the way, meaning every day in the relationship, it just got progressively worse. And at one point, when I absolutely wanted to leave, I was too afraid to leave because he told me I couldn't. And then, like with most abusers, he understood the way to manipulate my mind and to distance me from family and friends. And I was living across the country. So it was very difficult to leave. And I had commingled all of our assets and, you know, he was taking care of the finances. So that was very difficult to leave. So for my story, I just had to escape. I knew if I didn't leave the day that I left, I had the absolute knowingness that he would kill me physically or that I would never be able to recover and see myself again, meaning I would have just been the puppet and he would have been my puppeteer because that's what I was turning into. Wow, I've never said that before, but Mm. that's what was happening. Well, this reminds me of um, something I experienced three years ago. A gentleman was introducing his wife to the stage, and they had a partnership in uh, Maryland doing events, and he spoke of her as her heart, uh, his heart, his kidneys, his spine, his mind. In other words, she created all of it, and he owed all of his life to her. And mm-hmm. the crowd was pretty enamored by this introduction. And when she mm-hmm. came up on stage, she says, isn't he wonderful? And the crowd rejoiced even louder. And she says, yeah, but it took that jerk that I met, the first husband, who treated me horribly for me to realize how special this man is. So even though he's not someone you'd want to wish on yourself or anybody, we are talking on this phone, this, uh, this interview, this radio show today, and your book is a reflection of the experience to impact and help so many women take back their lives. So in the weirdest way, if he wasn't part of your life, none of this could have occurred. Is that correct? Exactly. That's why I said should Mm -hmm. is in quotation marks, and I was saying it with a bit of trepidation. Mm -hmm. And what I teach is that every aspect, everything that's happened in our life is for our curriculum. Right. And we get to use it. And so, you know, I get to see myself so clearly. I am now married to the most splendid man on the planet. 
who, right before this interview, I went back into our bedroom so that we can have prayer together so that he can bless me as he does every day. And even when I'm traveling around the world at our prayer time, he blesses me no matter where I am in the world. And then will send me a text to let me know I'm covered. (laughs) I mean, uh, the way that my life is today, not just eh, the way that my life is today with my husband and with all of my relationships are so rich that I wake up in the morning with a smile across my heart that then moves to my face where I'm in such gratitude. It's a perpetual state of gratitude for how I live Mm -hmm. and the people that are in my life and my day-to-day experiences. And even when something feels a little not in alignment with how I would choose it to be, the beauty is that I'm so wrapped in loving that it's just part of a passing experience that I get to learn from. And so there's very little that ruffles my feather because everything is always going to work out perfectly. Always. Rashawn, Renee, I'm afraid what I'm about to tell you will ruffle your feathers a little bit. Okay. We are finishing this segment in about a minute and so we're gonna have to go on break <laughs> and so we have to we have to be without conversation for like a whole minute i know that's a little tough yeah that's a fooey <laughs> so how can people get your book before we go to break uh it's on amazon and the title is 44 hours and 21 minutes a woman's truth and power and i'm so happy for them to read it because it is going to really change their life and help reveal to them more of who they are. Well, in talking about the book so much in the first segment, I was like, you know what? When we go on break, that'll give something for them to do. They can go on Amazon and go ahead and purchase the book. So that's pretty cool. There you go. That's so good. we'll be back in a minute. This Absolutely. is Ken Roshan on Voice America Influencer Channel with our producer, Andrea Adams-Miller, the executive director of the Q Smiley Movement, and our sponsors are, in this case, 44 hours and 21 minutes, the Red Carpet Connection, and the Umbrella Syndicate. We'll be back in a minute. Umbrella Syndicate amplifies good causes, good people, and good messages. They offer a suite of services that help people and businesses gain better exposure. Through working with the Umbrella Syndicate, you gain the ability to reach an audience of 50,000 unique people a week. They have recently reached over 20,000 followers on Facebook. You can view their photography and how they use it as a strong promotional tool on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash the Umbrella Syndicate. Show them your support by liking their page. This is Amplify. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at umbrellasyndicate.com. Now, back to Amplify. 
Well, welcome back. This is Ken Roshan on Voice America Influencer Channel with my lovely producer, Andre Adams Miller, the one who finds these amazing guests and amazing events that uh, cultivate these great conversations. And she is the executive director of the Key Smiling Movement. So if you are interested in sharing your story, your journey of how you create smiles, inspire hope, solve problems, and create abundance, then this is a great vehicle for you. And as a matter of fact, uh, Rashawn Renee's book will be coming out, I would say, in about a month, roughly. And she's going to share some things from this interview and also uh, things that she may not have shared in the book. And I invite you. And we are actually going to be putting her book in several of the women empowerment books because I really do believe this book is something that complements the, uh, the appendix and the offer that we want to make to all of our readers. So, Andrea... Are you ready? Are you there, Andrea? I'm ready. I wanted to, I uh, yeah, I wanted to just say that that women empowerment event that we did, the Women Economic Forum that Dee Dee Wong was uh, responsible for putting together. I wanted to acknowledge her and also you because that was a powerhouse of women and leaders, and I was just really grateful for all the the amazing leaders I met, especially Rashawn Renee, who's on our show right now. Absolutely. It was a wonderful event. Lots of very powerful people and powerful women stepping up and, and uh, stepping into their own. So thank you, uh, Renee, or excuse me, Rashawn Renee, <laughs> uh, for, you know, being who you are and for showing up, you know, um, you know, the, the love that you give and the way that you show women to self-honor and step up for themselves is very powerful. So I recognize that in the people that uh, you choose to hang around with and the way that you present yourself. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Andrea. Thank you very much for saying that. And Ken, I heard you say as we came back that the book comes out in um, in about a month. Forty four hours and twenty one minutes of Women's Truth and Power is already out. He's already a bestseller. No, I, I meant I, your Keep Smiling, your Keep Smiling book. Oh, thank you. Yes, the Keep yes. Smiling. Okay, got it. <laughs> Which actually brings thank me to the second segment format. So normally we do this format okay. in the first segment, but I was really excited about uh, really talking about your your book and what the book can do for audience. Now I'd like to go into getting to know Rashawn Renee better. So the Key Smelling book is a lot more about the inspiration of the person, what they had to overcome to become who they are, to mm-hmm. choose to be the leader that they are. So if you'd, you know, go as deep as you'd like, but tell your journey mm-hmm. where you're born uh, what happened in your childhood, and uh, mm-hmm. take us along the ride for creating who you are. Oh, with pleasure. So uh, I was born in Southern California, and I lived in California all my life, minus my time moving across the country to be in the relationship that I identify in the book. And so... As a, you know, girl growing up, I share very candidly in the book something that I wasn't aware of. I didn't understand my conditioning. So I grew up in a family just filled with a lot of folks, meaning my grandparents, my mom, um, my aunts and my uncles. We come from a family that says everyone supports everyone and whatever anyone needs, we make sure they have. And so that's how I grew up. 
And I also grew up where the men were in control of everything. So it didn't matter how successful my grandmother, who was uh, an RN, or my mother, who is um, a, was a circuit designer um, before she retired, didn't matter their label, their labels of success. The men always, always had leadership and governance in our family, and it wasn't a partnership. Mm-hmm. So, I unknowingly took that on, and what I recognized, and I write this in the book, I say, my grandfather, for whom I was the apple of his eye all the time, my bonus father, who was the father that raised me, and my biological father, who was the man that seated my mother and I came into the world. Each of those men treated me sometimes wonderfully and sometimes poorly. And poorly could mean uh, absence of their communication. It can mean absence of them being around. It meant a lot of things. But what it all culminated in was haphazard treatment. So as I grew up and moved into the world, I allowed haphazard treatment, unknowingly, to just be part of the way that I operated through the world. So I'd have friendships that sometimes the people were nice and sometimes they weren't so nice, and I just thought that's the way it's supposed to be. I'd have relationships with men the same way. Sometimes they would be nice to me and sometimes not. thought that's the way it was supposed to be. Until I moved into a relationship with a man who on the surface seemed as if he was going to be like my grandfather in part, meaning he was going to adore me, he was going to give me everything I wanted, and unlike my grandfather, we were going to be complete equals and in partnership. But that's not how it turned out. How it turned out was he decided little by little that I was everything different than he wanted me to be. So first he changed my name, and in the beginning I thought that it was sweet that he gave me a name, but he made all of his friends and family call me. And I just thought, oh, how sweet, he's giving me a like a pet name, a sweet name. <laughs> and later I found out as he told me, he changed my name because he didn't want any person before him or any person after him calling me something that he didn't give me because he owned me. Mm. I was his. And it went from there to us going shopping and In the beginning, I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm having a dream come true. We're going on this beautiful shopping spree. Well, I would wear the clothes from the shopping spree and be criticized that I wasn't grateful enough to have them or they were too sexy or it was always a problem with them whenever I had them, um, whatever it was. And then, then if I didn't wear them, then it was a problem that I wasn't wearing 
So no win. All of no win. Absolutely no win. And then it went from there to him being so jealous of every person in my life. And in the beginning, I thought in the same way that I thought with my name, oh, he just wants me to spend more time with him. Because I would say, oh, I'm going to go to lunch with a girlfriend. I go to lunch. We'd be gone an hour and a half. And he would, in the beginning, he would say, oh, you were gone for 90 minutes. I really missed you. I wish you could get back sooner than that. And so I would think to myself, oh, he really misses me. Maybe an hour and a half was too long. And so maybe I try to get back in an hour and 20 minutes the next time, right? But then that was too long. And then it became, so why are you going to lunch with her? So everything, everything was not as it appeared to be. And little by little, I began to erode the idea and the regard that I had for myself. And then one day, we were in the kitchen having a discussion about a house that we were going to purchase. And I didn't agree with it. And I was standing on the opposite side of the room, and he picked up a coffee mug and threw it at the wall. And he threw it so close to my head. Now, the woman I am today, well, the woman I am today, I wouldn't have even engaged in that conversation (laughs) in that way. But <laughs> but in addition to that, him throwing the mug was a clear sign that I just needed to walk out the door and never come back. But I didn't do that. Instead, I let him rationalize with me that the reason he was so upset is that he was trying to give me what I told him was my dream home and I was rejecting the home, so I must have been rejecting him. I listened. I stayed. And from that throwing of the mug, things got progressively worse. And then by the time we moved into that house and closed escrow, I knew that I needed to leave. And the day that I left was a ginormous rainstorm. I had only a few dollars. And I knew I had to escape, as I said at the first part of this interview. And so now fast forward, after leaving him, really doing what I ask every reader to do in the book, is I excavated my life, meaning who seated me, who taught me to think the way that I think, who are the people in my life as a little person, what ideas that I identify with from society. I looked at all of that. And then once I learned that, I examined it. And once I examined it, then that which served me, I kept, and that which didn't, I let go. And then I decided to really build the life that I wanted. And it started with little bitty steps of me just making self-honoring choices, how I was going to date, who I was going to date, what was the standard of my dating, what I would allow a man to say or 
do or how he would behave in my company, how I would behave with myself. It took a lot of rebuilding of me to really identify myself and to gain the emotional fortitude to really identify who I am. And so that journey of being in that relationship was a life change. It's something that I so needed. And then in such a short period of time, after leaving the relationship and learning my truth and living powerfully, I've gone from a woman who was quiet and silent and marginalized from an interior perspective, although outwardly looking competent and successful, um, to a woman now who has whole self-acceptance, who carries no shame about any aspect of my life, who boldly identifies whatever I have done in the past. If I offended anyone, I absolutely apologize. And what did I learn from that? And wow, what a journey. So from a girl who used to write as a little person and my writing were taken away because they were, um, they communicated too much about the inner dynamic of our family. So my writings will be taken away from me. So I've now written a book. I've co-authored another book. I've become an international bestseller. I've gone through a two-year master's program in spiritual psychology another program in Consciousness, Health, and Healing. I'm traveling the world. I've met and married a man that is everything, just the most impeccable person of character and kindness. And the way I'm living now has had a family member name their child after me. And all of this, it's really because I've learned my truth, I live in my power, and I would not have done it if I hadn't gone through that relationship, nor every other seemingly bad thing that's happened in my life before. Amen. For Amen the, uh, absolutely right. For the uh, chapter center, which is the why, your purpose, would you concisely share with the listeners what your why is? Mm -hmm. Yeah. My why is because it's necessary. It's so necessary. I'm created to support the masses. And how I mean that is I am here. My why is because I know as human beings, we are better than we're showing up. We are more than we know. And that we have the ability right now to make a global paradigm shift by simply understanding our familial conditioning from family and society. And that's why I'm here. And that's why every day I'm excited. That's why every day I wake up thinking, oh my gosh, who is God going to put in my path today that we get to have a conversation so that they get to see themselves more clearly? 
It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing that now that I've just started this social media thing through Real Truth, our company, that I'm watching people say things like, this is the best book I've ever read in my life. I've never had anyone ask me these questions before. I feel so, I feel different in my skin today. I'm here for that. I'm here so that every person who is choosing can look in the mirror again, look in their eyes deeply and say to themselves, I love you. And say to themselves, I really matter. And say to themselves, I am valuable. That's what I'm here for. That's so many, why. That's beautiful. With so many women um, having experienced a domestic violence uh, relationship and, in essence, being broken, uh, this is the month that I think a lot of organizations uh, bring together those women. And there are some men, too, but the women who are survivors. And I was wondering uh, concisely, what, what do you do to support that message and or those events? Well, I speak a lot, and I give a lot. Mm -hmm. I speak a lot, and I contribute a lot. And um, one of the intentions of Real Truth is a scholarship program. So Andrea, as she read, she said a portion of each cell goes into the escrow account. That's how we started. That was our intention when we started. And then we realized it was so much bigger than that. So we've actually started a foundation and have given our first scholarship to a single mom to finish her master's degree. And we weren't ready for it yet. My husband and I, as I said, the kindest man ever, decided that from our personal account, we were aware of her story we knew that she needed help. We saw what was happening to her based upon other things that were going on in her life. And she really needed a hand up so she can get out of her circumstances. Mm-hmm. And so we, choose, we chose um, to give her our first scholarship to her. And now we're just watching her flourish. So how I support is in any way I can. That's how I support And eventually, Real Truth International, the foundation, will be a foundation that supports women globally in business, in education, in housing. Whatever our coffers financially will allow is what we will do. And uh, that's the bigger mission. Well, perhaps the Keep Smiling movement book that we're doing together can be an extension of that uh, that ask and that opportunity to um, build that foundation and that impact that you're doing. Um, we had a conversation about a month ago about International Smile Day. <laughs> Would you uh, share with the audience about the importance of a smile and why that's so important to you? Oh, my gosh. Well, you know that I'm a smiling girl, right? <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. I wish you were smiling right now. I, oh, no, I'm not. Absolutely. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think that, oh, my gosh. 
I say this. You know, on the in the book it says um, your chapter title, right? And I said, well, that would only be one thing for me. And it has to be a smile across your heart adds a smile to your face. And I said somewhere in this interview, that's how I wake up, with a smile across my heart. And then it translates to my face. And I just find it so beautiful to look at someone through their smile, in their eyes, and what it does to my heart and the vibrational energy it communicates through my entire body and everyone else's. There's nothing more beautiful than smiling. So you know, Ken, I think I shared with you in that conversation, throughout the day when I see people, uh, well, when I walk down the street, I smile at people and many of them are so taken aback that they will look behind them to see if I'm smiling at someone else. And I was like, no, I'm smiling at you. And I think that we could all use a smile, many smiles throughout our day. And it just delights me to be an ambassador of the smile campaign, (laughs) which is just an extension of how I live. Smile me because it's beautiful. What is next for you? I mean, after the success of a book, I'm sure you have your wheels turning about what the next message or complimenting message would be. I guess it would be mm-hmm. 88 hours and 22 minutes or 42 uh-huh. minutes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, the next thing is um, January 7th, we're launching an online curriculum and it's called a necessary life curriculum. And I'm so excited about that. I am so delighted because many of the readers have asked for a workbook. And it's not possible for me to coach at the level of request to come in. But it is so completely possible for me to do what I'm doing right now, which is building this superlative curriculum so that every person that engages with us really gets to understand their conditioning, familial and societal, and move out of the paradigm of any behavior that keeps them stuck or marginalized or not able to look in the mirror and say, I love you, and has them holding on to shame or biases that don't serve their life. It's extraordinary. And not because we're creating it isn't extraordinary. It's extraordinary because it's so necessary. And it's what I've done. It's what many of our clients have done. And it's going to really be a life changer for everyone that goes through the program. And it's going to benefit people who know people that go through the curriculum. I have a couple of trivia questions I want to ask real quickly. And if you could answer them, we have about a minute. So what's a a book that you recommend besides your book that changes people's Uh, lives? My book. My book. Your book twice? So (laughs) twice? Okay. And and what's a quote you live by? Oh, so my favorite quote at this moment is, no matter where you are in your life at this moment, 
you can begin excavating, examining, and releasing the conditioning that doesn't support you and your dream and become okay. who you truly are. You can these are going, be your these are going in your smiling book. And the next one oh, is, yeah. uh, who's your hero? My mother. And every person that has the courage to move out of a paradigm that doesn't serve them. Good. And uh, what's a movie that you watch to inspire you? Right now I'm so inspired by When They See Us by Ava DuVernay. And Very hard I think movie we to have, watch. We have uh, time for maybe another question. So uh, what is a song you listen to to be inspired? Oh, there are a few of them. Um, John Lennon, Imagine, The Greatest Love, um, Whitney Houston, and um, what is the, um, um, I'm Always Loving You by Stevie Wonder. Because each one of those songs, like in The Greatest Love of All, it says learning to love yourself is the greatest love of all. And then in the John Lennon song, Imagine, Everyone Living in Peace. And then in the Stevie Wonder song, you know, I'm always here to love you. Thank you, Rashawn Renee. I am so happy that we were able to have this hour and to stay connected over all this time and that our friendship has really developed. And thank you again to the producer, Andre Adams Miller, for really making this possibility and to Dee Dee Wong, who created the Women Economic Forum. Uh, One more time, I know that they can get her on Amazon, but is there anything else you'd like to say on how people can connect with you? Yes, please. Please go to our website at www.realtruthintl.com. That's realtruthintl.com. And you might see the holding page up there that says coming soon today because we've just taken it down two days ago to add the curriculum and the new components. But there's a beautiful link that you can email us directly. And then, of course, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And when you see Rashawn Renee's book on the keepsmilingmovement.com you are certainly welcome to download the electronic version and you can make a donation that we will make sure uh, helps the Keep Smiling Movement and Rashawn Renee's uh, intent to help women be empowered and scholarship. So thank you again Rashawn. This is Ken Rashawn and Ken Rashawn, Rashawn Renee and Andre Adams Miller. Uh, we are excited about this beautiful hour of amplifying goodness and it's been brought to you by the key smiling movement in 44 hours and 21 minutes we look forward to another great conversation next week stay amplified we hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of amplified be sure to join ken rashad again next monday at 11 a.m eastern time and 8 a.m pacific time on the voice america influencers channel now go get your message heard 